All right, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of First Kings, chapter 17, starting with verse 2. First Kings, chapter 17, starting with verse 2. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Kareth, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook. And I have commanded, everybody say commanded. I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Kareth, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded, everybody say commanded. I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a, wind, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat and die. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word because it's life. But God, we want to be more than hearers of the word today. So we ask, God, that you engage our heart in what we hear. God, that it might bring fruit in our lives. We give you praise for it and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to speak to you for a little while this morning on this topic. Would you say it with me? Let go. Say it one more time, let go. How many of you have ever struggled with being a little bit of a control freak? You know what I'm talking about? You don't like anything getting out of your control. You, how, how, well, let me just, let's put it in terms everyone can understand. How many of you dry, are always driving the car regardless of which seat you're sitting in? You know what I'm talking about? It doesn't matter whether you're in the driver's seat or the passenger seat. You're driving that car. Hey, you got to turn here. Oh, you better slow down a little bit. Speed up. Speed limits. They'll give you five over. And so it's always driving the car in control. Everybody say in control. We, we love to be in control. We want to control what we're going to eat. How many of you get upset when you don't get like you, what you want for dinner? I remember when we were kids, my dad gave us $5 for allowance, but we had to buy our lunch with that for the week. So we would go to the grocery store and get lunch meat and little bags of chips, and each one of us, and I, I wanted to be in control of my lunch. And I tried to keep all the rest of my brothers and sisters out of my lunch. So, you know, when I bought those charm suckers, how many of you remember those? I bought those charm suckers and find one missing, I let go. <laughs> we wanted to be in control. We, we liked the idea of being able to control 
what we have. And how many of you realize that there are some things you just can't control? Like, I mean, could you imagine all the confusion there would be in this world if we found out we could control the weather? There'd be, World War II would have looked like child's play because we would be fighting each other to beat the band. I want snow. Don't you dare make it snow. Well, I want, I want it to be sunny and hot. I don't like the hot weather. Well, I, I, I want it to turn fall and spring. You don't touch that weather dial. Aren't you glad that there are some things that only God can control? Amen. I was, uh, for my 60th birthday, Debbie got me a helicopter ride. So we went to Cape, and I, uh, we crawled into the helicopter, and we took off. And just kind of teasing, I asked the guy, I said, can I fly? He handed me the control. <laughs> Am I really doing this? And, you know, and he was telling me what, you know, what, what to do. And, it, and I was all right up there. But he was letting me control it a lot longer than I felt like I ought to. And so it was like, man, because I, I, knew, I, I knew in a helicopter how if, if you turn that joystick <laughs> a little too quick to one way, you know, that you can toss it over. They say the most dangerous place in a helicopter is six inches above the ground, that that's where most of the accidents take place at because somebody counters it and it, it'll throw that copter off. Matter of fact, a missionary friend of mine, hopefully that's going to be coming to the church here with us soon, uh, was in a helicopter, and he, he, he flew planes. And he, he had me. I, I got up in a plane with him, and he let me fly the plane. I thought, man, I, there's no way in the world I'm ever going to get in a rocket. I mean, I jumped into a helicopter, and they gave me control. I jumped in a plane, they gave me control. I'm thinking, they put me in a rocket, man. I don't need somebody to hand me the joystick. And it's, but, but he was in that helicopter, and he said they were just a little bit off the ground, and he said he he moved it he said he thought he was moving it very s slowly but he moved it man that copter kicked like that and the pilot grabbed hold of the stick and got control of it they almost crashed because he was in control but he didn't know how to control it are you with me have you ever been in control but you didn't know how to control it? Any of you ever gotten mad before? I'm in perfect control. I said I'm in perfect control. Don't you argue with me. In control, but don't know how to control it. Here's a problem. Is there some things that only God can control in your life. And until you learn to let go and let God do that, you're constantly going to have a battle in your life with this control issue. How many of you try to control your kids' lives? You know, you don't have to wave your hand on that. Your children are waving their hand on that one. How many of you remember, how many of you remember controlling what your children wore to school how many of you as children hated it when your parents were controlling what you wore to school 
We always wanted to be in control of ourselves. But here's the thing is sometimes letting go is hard because we don't understand what's going on. Do your parents ever ask you to do something and they said, look, this is for your good? And, 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 and you would think, well, I don't understand that. How, how is this for my good? And so here, Elijah is confronted. Let's get to, this, to the event that took place. Elijah has confronted Ahab over his evil and wickedness in Israel. And he told him, he said, it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. So they would experience a three-and-a-half-year famine. During this time, God instructs Elijah to go to a brook called Kareth. And he said, I have commanded, everybody say that, I have commanded a raven to feed you there. Do you realize how hard it is to let go when you don't even understand what's going on? I want you to think about what must have been going through Elijah's head. Or better yet, let's talk about what would have gone through our head. You, you've done what, God? You've commanded a raven to feed me? That doesn't even make sense. A raven is a bird of prey. A raven steals food from other birds. And, and you're telling me that this bird is going to go against its nature and feed me? There's a little word in front of that that assures that it's going to happen, and it's commanded. God said, I have commanded. I want you to understand something. When God commands something, it's going to happen. The word command there means appointed or empowered. So this is what God's saying. I have appointed this raven and empowered him to feed you. Now, the next time that, that, that brook dries up, and now he's supposed to go someplace else to be fed. And he said, I have commanded a widow woman to feed you. I mean, it, it's, it's like everything defies logic. A raven is going to feed me. A widow woman is going to feed me. So he gets to Zarephath. And when he gets there, he sees the widow woman. And she's gathering some sticks, and he looked to her, and he said, hey, would you go get me some water, please? And she goes to get it, and he calls to her, and he said, and make me a cake and bring to me. She turned around, and she looked, and she said, I don't have any bread in the house. All I've got is a handful of meal. And I was gathering these sticks to fix that for my son and myself so we could eat it and die. I mean, if you're Elijah... There's the temptation to question all of this. God, you've, you told me that this woman is going to provide for me, and she can't even provide for herself. How's that going to work? You, you've said a raven is going to come and feed me? That, that's against the raven's nature. How's that going to work? Here comes that thing about being in control again. Because when you, when you have a desire to control things, you want to know how everything is going to work. You need all the plans in advance. I learned something doing missionary work. Thank you. Everybody say it with me. Hurry up and wait. 
We, you know, people, people would be, oh, you know, well, we got to do this. We got to just hurry up here, but we're going to wait. Because you, sometimes there, there's another saying, blessed are they that can bend and not break. You have to be flexible. You have to learn how to trust God. Everybody say it with me, trust God. So Elijah has to deal with this, and you say, well, you know, the, how is it possible that God is going to do this? If God commands it, he's going to take care of it. And so the raven came and fed the people. Now, a lot of times we look at this and we say, well, yeah, but that was way back then. I mean, stuff like that doesn't happen today. Well, let me tell you the story of a missionary that was told to me. He was doing mission work in Russia and got arrested for preaching the gospel. They took him in a plane. This is before the wall came down and all of this stuff. This was back when it was communism. They took him in a plane, a little prop plane, and flew him out towards Siberia. And he was praying while he was in the plane. He was saying, God, please save my life. Don't, don't, don't let them kill me. Don't let them kill me. They shoved him out of the plane threw him completely out of the plane he's falling through the air and he landed in a huge snowbank. Uh, I mean it was just a, a huge pile of snow that wasn't packed and so when he hit that snow he it the snow cushioned his fall now that look it still hurt him but it didn't kill him and he was buried in that snow, and he's laying in the snow, and the missionary began to pray, God, thank you for not letting them kill me. God, thank you for that, but God, I'm freezing in here. Lord, don't, don't let me freeze to death. You didn't bring me out of that plane and save me from that fall to freeze to death in here. God, please help me. And after a while, something started moving in the snow, and a polar bear got a hold of the guy, dug into the snow, grabbed him by the collar, and drug him out of the snow to his den and laid up on this missionary. And all of a sudden, the missionary started feeling himself warm up. But he was really hungry. <laughs> and he was afraid the bear was too. <laughs> And he laid there and he thought, God, I don't know what's going on. Thank you, Lord, for making God. I'm, you know, I'm so hungry, but God, I don't know about this bear. This bear's probably hungry. And, and after a while, the polar bear left. And in a few hours, he came back with sack lunches. <laughs> and the, now, look, I'm not, this isn't my story. I'm telling you his story. He starts eating these lunches, and every day, the bear would leave at a certain time, and he would come back with sack lunches, brown paper sack lunches. And he's eating these lunches, and, and the guy starts getting his strength back, and he finally realizes, he says, God, i got to get out of here. He said, man, this bear's going to have me for lunch one day. And so he goes, and he goes out, he leaves, and when he leaves, he, he ends up stumbling on this camp full of lumberjacks. They'd been out there cutting lumber, and when he told them his story, those lumberjacks looked at him and said, we would tell you you're crazy and out of your mind if it hadn't been for the fact that for the last week, a polar bear has been coming into our camp and stealing our lunches. When God commands it, it's going to happen. See, here's the thing. It's because we live in a day and a time that idolizes logic, and, it, and, 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 and we talk about, oh, you know, how many of you remember COVID? Follow the science. Look how that turned out. 
just follow. You know, what I'm telling you is this, is that God is bigger than what you can comprehend. God is able to do far exceeding above all that you can ask or think. And so letting go becomes difficult for us because we always try and figure it out. Elijah had to let go of his logic to be able to experience the miracle of God. A raven fed him. A widow woman that had nothing fed him. But he's not the only one that had to let go. That widow woman had to let go. When he turned around and looked at her and said, make me one first. Do you realize how hard that had to be for him? I mean, for her. I, she, she just told him, I'm making a meal for her, a cake for my son and myself so we can eat it and die. She had already accepted death. I want to ask, what have you already accepted? What have you already decided this is just the way it's going to be and nothing can change, there's nothing I can do? I, I, I'm challenging you today to believe in a God that's bigger than your circumstance. To believe in it, to let go and believe in a God that's bigger than your situation. When she went into that kitchen, she had to make a choice. She opened the meal, the barrel of meal, and looked in, and it wasn't any more than she'd had to begin with. Jar of oil, nothing had multiplied. The miracle never happens until you let go. So she takes out the meal, and she pats it and puts the oil in, and she sees that there's less meal than there was before, and she's thinking, I don't understand this, but I, I'm going to do it. And she fixes a cake for Elijah, and then she goes back, and I see her in my mind's eye as she thinks, I wonder if maybe I could get enough meal for my boy. And she lifts it up, and it's as if though no meal had been taken out. And she, she starts looking, but it, it's not overrunning. It's just, just enough to be able to make a, another cake. And she pulls it out, and she begins to make for her son. And she said, well, at least my boy will be able to eat. And I don't really understand what I just saw, but I wonder if it's possible if, if this God of Elijah's, if he, and he opens, she opens it up again, and she looks, and she discovers that there's enough there for her as well. And that would go on for three and a half years. God would supply her need according to his riches and glory. He's always a God that's more than enough. He, she sustained, he sustained her. I thought about how hard it is to let go. I heard a story of a man that was on, walking home one night and he stumbled off the edge of a cliff, couldn't see where he was going. And on the way down in that fall, he started reaching and thrashing, grabbing for anything. And he finally got a hold of a, a branch, like a tree limb sticking out from the cliff and grabbed hold and was holding on to it. 
and he wrapped up and he began to look into the night and he couldn't see anything and he cried out he said someone help me help please someone help me and all of a sudden he heard a voice he said I'll help you he said who is it he said it's God he said, God, I'm so glad you showed up, God. I, I need help. Help me, God. God, what should I do? What should I do? And all of a sudden, God said, let go. The young man hollered back up. Is there anybody else up there? <laughs> See, it's hard to let go because it requires trust. That man couldn't trust, so he just kept hanging on. Morning came, and he discovered he was only two feet off the ground. God knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly what you need, and he knows how to get it to you. Everybody say it with me. Let go. Uh, there's, as you see these things in Scripture, there's another story Another event that took place with another widow woman and a different prophet. His name is Elisha. This widow woman came to him and his, her husband had died. And he was one of the sons of the prophets. And she went to Elisha and she said, look, he said, my husband, you know, served the Lord. But when he died, he, he left these bills. And now the creditors come. And I don't have any way to pay him and they're going to take my two sons as slaves I've already lost my husband and I'm about to lose my boys I I need you to help me and Elisha asked the question what do you have in your house and she said nothing let that sink in for a second nothing except a little cruise of oil. What are you getting at, Pastor? How many times have you ever answered this question that way? What do I have to offer God? Nothing. We sell ourselves, at, well, actually, what we're doing, and we don't even recognize it, is we're selling God short. God created you, and God doesn't make mistakes. So you got something. Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, you have value. There's something in this house that's valuable. Would you do that? Just look at your neighbor and just go like this. Go, hey. <laughs> There's something in here that's valuable. We, we, we let the devil talk us into that we're nothing that we have nothing to offer, that we, don't, we can't do anything for God. The woman said, I have nothing except. See, God is always going to ask you to participate in the miracle. God's always going to ask you to trust him, to let go. And that woman said, I got a little bit of oil, but, you know, I'm, I've been hanging on to that. And he said, this is what I need you to do. I want you to go and get as many empty vessels as you can. And I want you, once you get all those empty vessels, I want you to go into your house and close the door and take that little bit of oil that you have and start pouring into these empty vessels. 
And that's what she did. She went and she got the little oil that she had and she poured. You know, I don't know exactly how it happened, but in my mind I can see it happening. She pours and and then all of a sudden she feels like, well, man, it, you know, it, this isn't, you know, I, I mean, I, I knew I didn't have enough to do all that. And she, oh, wait a minute. Where's that coming from? I, I know, I know that that was empty. How, how is it possible that, wait a minute. How, how is that possible? See, here's the thing is that, when you begin to pour of yourself into someone else that's empty, God begins to pour back into you. As you pour it out, he pours it in. As you share it, he gives you more. But when you hoard it and you hide it, and you say, I got nothing to give, then it's not ever going to grow. But the moment you make up your mind that I'm going to use what I got, God will always give you more. I don't know how how he does it. I don't know where it comes from. I watched it run dry. I watched that it was over. But I'm telling you, there's something about God just when you think that it's not going to happen, God makes it happen again. Just when you feel like it's over and nothing else is going to come your way, God makes it come again. You say, well, how long can that go on? How big is your God? He measured out the oceans in the hollow of his hand. My God is a big God she continued to pour into every empty vessel until finally they had filled them all up and after every empty vessel was full the oil stopped when you're willing to let go of what you have and let God use it, you're going to find out you had more than you thought you had. As long as you're willing to pour out of yourself into someone that's empty, God will continue to pour into you. I remember there was a man that I got acquainted with when I was about, I guess I was 19 years old. And I met this man, and I didn't really know him. Debbie and her family had known him, but his name was Johnny Presson. Johnny was in his 70s at that time, in his late 70s, and he uh, was really quiet, very reserved, actually fearful. There was a lot of fear in Johnny. And I'd met him, and... They introduced him to me, and we talked a little bit, and he, he'd always looked down and hardly ever looked up. And then one day, Johnny showed up at Brother Russell's house at Debbie's dad's house, and when he opened the door, Johnny Preston was standing there, and Johnny went, Praise the Lord! Hallelujah, Brother Russell! What in the world? He went in, Glory to God, I'll tell you right now, man. And, he, and, he just, and I'm telling you, I thought, what is going on? And so he visited for a little while, and when he left, Brother Russell said, now that's the Johnny Preston I knew. He got, I don't know what he had gone through, 
But something had tried to empty him out. Something had taken away from Johnny until he was completely empty. But that day, when Johnny showed up at that house, he wasn't empty anymore. There was something that was inside of Johnny that had come alive. You want to check this out for me? You see anything? Yeah. What? Wet. Wet. <laughs> you want to check it out? Sure. Hold, <laughs> hold your hands out. You're just going to give me one hand? Cup them. What are you saying? I, I'm saying you have to, if, if you're not expecting anything, you're not going to get anything. But the moment you begin to look to God and say, I know you're able, I'm going to let go of my fear, I'm going to let go of all this doubt that I have, and I'm going to trust you, God shows up in a unique way. Everybody say, let go. Finally, there's a story in Scripture that involves Jesus. It's found in John 6, the sixth chapter of John, the fifth verse. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? One of the lessons that this passage teaches us is that Jesus always knows what he's going to do. You may not know, but he knows. How many of you have ever asked the question, God, I don't know how you're going to do this. God, how are you going to do this? Can I let you in on a little secret I discovered? God doesn't have to tell you how he's going to do it. He doesn't have to get your clearance. God doesn't have to. Do you hear what I'm saying? What we have to do is learn how to trust God. Everybody say, trust God. How many of you got up this morning and turned on the water to brush your teeth? Wave your hand. How many of you, before you turned that water on, climbed underneath the house to check the plumbing? No, you just trusted that everything was going to work the way it was supposed to work because somebody put that in that knew what they were doing. How many of you, when you turned on the light switch this morning, went and cl climbed in the attic to make sure that the wires were running down to the switch? No, you, you just flipped the light on because you trusted that the person knew what they were doing. You don't have to be in control. I learned that the hard way. 
I came here to this church a little over 10 years ago, and there was a problem with a switch in the conference room. So I went to the breaker box, and I found the breaker that said conference room, and I flipped it off. I got the screwdriver out and started taking apart the switch. I didn't know that the breaker didn't shut off the lights. And I also didn't know that this building had been wired 480 <laughs> and split to two, whatever that is, 277 or whatever it is. But it was, I found out. I, I, I had that screwdriver, and as I was trying to fix that switch, that screwdriver slipped off the nut and hit the, well, the nut, I was the nut, I, the screwdriver, <laughs> the screwdriver slipped off the screw and hit the wire. And when it did, I got introduced to 480. Oh, don't worry, it'd been split in half. It was only 277 by then. That, it wasn't like 120. It, 120, you know, you, you can a lot of times get, man, this got a hold of me. I'm not making this up, man. You ask my wife. She was sitting here watching it and laughing. She thought, she thought I was playing a game. She thought there were, her and another lady were in the conference room, and they thought I was trying, I was acting like I was getting shocked. I should have won an Oscar for that acting. I'm telling you, man, it lit me up. And, I was, and finally, when I finally got loose of it, I, I thought, oh. That was one time I really wanted to let go and couldn't. See, sometimes we struggle with this letting go because we've gotten so attached to it. We're so attached to our children that sometimes it's hard to let go and let God handle it. We're so attached to our problems that it's hard for us to let go of them. Everybody say, let go. I shared this once, maybe twice, possibly more. I'm going to share again today. There was a lady that I was, when I was young, well, I'm not old now, but when I was younger, I was going to church, and this lady, uh, I, I walked up to her, and I asked her, I said, how you doing today, sis? And she looked at me, and she said, oh, I'm not doing good at all. My, my kids aren't treating me right. They're being mean to me. And Man, I mean, she starts off on a grocery list of stuff that she, I, and I, I, I looked at her, and I, I said, <laughs> I said, sister, you got to be doing better than that. Jesus is alive. And I turned and walked away. <laughs> I wasn't pastoring a church then. And so I, the next week rolled around, and I walked back up to her. And when I walked back up to her, I said, hey, sis, how you doing this week? And she looked at me, and she said, after what you said to me last week, I'm not even going to tell you how I am. <laughs> See, some people are so attached to their problems that they don't want to let go of them. They know that God could take care of it, but they don't want to let go of it and let God do it. I was talking to a lady in another church. I was evangelizing, went to this lady, and she was talking about how bad her husband was. And I said, well, man, we're going to pray that he gets saved. And she said, don't do that. I looked at her, and I said, she said, it's bad enough i got to live with him. I don't want to have to go to church with him. So, she, something had let go in between her two ears. 
Because that made no sense at all. I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? We get so attached to things. We, whether, it's our, whether it's our job or whether it's our family or whether it's our problems, whether it's our circumstance, and God is saying, I just want you to live a life where you learn how to let go of things. I know what's going on. I'm going to take care of it. Jesus always knows what he's going to do. He just wants you to trust in what he's going to do. So... He tests Philip, and then Andrew steps up, and Andrew goes, hey, hey, and I can't help but think that Andrew was a little excited when he stepped up. Hey, Lord, we got, there's a boy here that's got five loaves and two fish, and I can, and my, God gave me an imagination for something. And all of a sudden, when he said that, I can see the other 11 disciples cut their eyes at him and go, five loaves and two fish. And then Andrew goes, but, but what's that among so many? What Andrew did was offer something. Nobody else did that that day. But the truth is, Andrew didn't offer it. So let's dig a little bit. There was a boy there that had five loaves and two fish. And even though I don't read this in Scripture, I know it happened because Jesus will never force you to give him something. So I don't know if it was the disciples or if it was Jesus. My feeling is Jesus went up to him and said, Son, I know that's your lunch. And in your hand, it'll feed you and your mother. But son, if you'll let go of it and put it in my hand, I'll not only feed you and your mother, I'll feed all these thousands of people out here. I wonder how that boy felt to be part of a miracle. I wonder if he walked through the crowd that day going, you like that fish? You like that? That's my fish. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, lunch is on me today. I, 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 yeah, that, that's my bread. And, and, and I'm, to, to be able to be a part of a miracle that God, do you understand? That's what you are. You're a part of a miracle. God's saying when you let go, I'll use you in a way that you could never find yourself doing. Part of a miracle when he let go something else happened that sometimes we don't think much about but they gathered up some leftovers that day the leftovers they gathered up was more than the food they started with they gathered up 12 baskets full of leftovers and I can't prove it, but you can't disprove it. But I believe that part of those baskets went home with that little boy. Because <laughs> he said, I won't forget your labor of love. Letting go. There's something... that all of these miracles, all, all, all of these events that took place in Scripture have in common. 
Do you know what it is? Can you, now, if you were in first service, don't, cry, don't scream it out and act like you're really smart. <laughs> There's something that weaves these together. There's a common denominator in all these events. And here it is, that when they let go, God multiplied. Oh, you didn't hear what I said. When they let go, God multiplied. When she let go of the meal, the meal multiplied in the barrel. When the woman let go of the cruise of oil, the oil kept flowing. When the boy let go of the fish and the loaves, the fish and the loaves multiplied and fed thousands. What's that got to do with us? When you let go, God multiplies. When you, are, are you with me? When you, when you let go of your fine, and you say, well, can you prove that? I'm glad you asked. I was on a mission trip in Trinidad. We had raised money to build a church in a place called Carnahan, which had no electricity. It was a, it was, it was a, a village of some what, some nature, but there was a jungle in behind it. They killed an 18-foot anaconda on that job site the week before I got there. When I showed up, the pastor had enlarged the building by five feet, the footing, the building. He, hadn't, he didn't do anything. He dug a hole. He dug a, a, he dug a trench for the footing. He enlarged it by five feet. Now, you know what happens when you enlarge a building by five feet. That means your material price just went up. I'd raised enough money to build that building at the dimensions we'd set it at. Now I wasn't going to have enough money. I called the pastor's overseer and let him know, look, I, you know, I promised we would build this church and we're going to do the best we can, but I, it's bigger than we agreed on. And so now I don't know what I'm going to do. And we started running out of funds. And I thought, and I, I wanted so badly to be able to complete that building. And we were, it was, I remember it was getting toward the end of the trip and I had counted the money out. Th probably, you know, I don't want to exaggerate, but I'd counted that money, I'm going to say at least five times that night because I, I, was, I was desperate. I didn't have enough to finish it. It was going to take like another $600 to finish that building, and I didn't have it. And I remember going to bed that night, and I was thinking, God, I, I really wanted to finish this, but this is all I've got, and this is all I can do. And I just had to let go of it. The next morning when I got up and just out of habit, I grabbed the money and started counting it again. And I had to stop and think, wait a minute. And I started counting again. And I started to get excited because I had $600 more that morning than I had that night when I went to sleep. Now, I wasn't ready to buy into the fact that a miracle had happened. 
there was a guy that was there with me, and I went to him. His name was Doug, and I went to him. I said, Doug, I said, did you slip into my room last night and put $600 on my dresser? He looked at me, and he said, are you crazy? <laughs> I said, no, I'm serious. I said, did you put money in, on my dresser? He said, I, I didn't put no money on your dresser. I said, Doug, come on, tell me the truth. Did you go into my room last night and put some money on my dresser? He said, I ain't been in your room, and I ain't put no money on your dresser. And he, I, I knew he was telling the truth, and I thought, wow, God. <laughs> I mean, I've heard about things like this happening, but I never thought it could happen for me. Let go. See, we limit God. We shut God down because we're so used to empty things. Oh, I got a peppermint I can throw in. But what's one peppermint when you need a hundred? I mean, what am I what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to let God. Everybody say let God. See, we, we say that we let God, but then we put it down and we take it back up and we start counting our peppermints again. There comes a time in your life where you have to let go and let God. There's a story of a young man that was struggling and he had, it, 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 it was an emotional struggle for him. He was a college student and his friends were telling him, you, you need to, just let God take care of this. And he said, yeah, I know, I know. And, but he couldn't, he, he, he couldn't let go of it. And then his parents told him, son, I'm telling you, you need to let God handle this. And he said, yeah, mom, I know. Yeah, dad, I, I get it, I get it. His pastor even told him, look, you're going to have to trust God with this. Just let go of it. Let, let God do this. Let God he had heard that phrase, let God, let God, let God, so many times that he went out and bought those wooden letters. You know what I'm talking about? You can get them like at Walmart. And he, he wrote out on his wall, let God, L-E-T-G-O-D. So he saw it every day, got up every day looking at it, let God, let God, and he thought that that would help him. One morning he got up and he looked at those letters, let God, and he got so frustrated he said, I can't, I just can't, I can't let God. And he walked out of the room and slammed the door. When he slammed the door, the D fell off of the word God. And he was gone the rest of the day. And when he came back in and he opened up the door, he looked up at the wall and it said, let go. And he immediately broke and started weeping. And he said, I'm sorry, God. I'm going to let go right now. And he began to worship. And when he let go, he was able to let God see. The moment that we finally give it to God and we say, I'm going to let go of it, God's able to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And so God knows how to pour out more than we're able to put in. Would you stand with me today? How many of you today are ready to let go? If you'll let go, you're going to discover that God is able to take care of the situation. Let go. 
Sometimes it's difficult to let go because we're too close to the situation. I was in Louisiana. I believe it was West Monroe, Louisiana. And I, I went to a zoo. Maybe, anyway, I was in Louisiana someplace and I went into the zoo. And as I was walking around the zoo, I, I'd stepped out of the monkey house and heard this, I mean, man, it was a guttural roaring sound that literally vibrated. And I thought, what is that? And I, I, I looked to my left just in time to see a guy. You, you ever been to the zoo and see those little chain links that they have to keep you away from a cage? I looked down to my left just in time to see a guy stepping back over that chain link. Really, this is what I saw. I saw a guy that had been standing in front of a cage where there was a Bengal tiger. When I heard the roar, I looked down and I saw this tiger's paw sticking out of the cage, swiping at the air. And I saw that guy stepping back over the line. He got a little too close. I want you to hear me. There are some things that only God can handle. And when you get too close to trying to play God, you're going to get yourself in harm's way. When you get too close to trying to take the place of God, remember what the scripture said, the devil is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The scripture said that the devil is like a lion. But when it came to Jesus, it said that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now look, we can go back to the zoo and I can put you inside that cage and you can act like a lion all you want to. But when the dust settles, you're going to find out who the real lion was. Hear what I'm saying. When you let go and you let God, you're giving God the opportunity to do for you what you can't do for yourself. So if you're in this place today and you're ready to let God, I want you to come to the front of this building right now. Very quickly. I'm going to hold for just a moment. Just let God. First, before you, know, before you can get to the front of this building, you have to let go. So just come to the front of the building. Stand with me for a second. Whatever it is in your life that you need God to do. Now, I'm just going to pray with you. You're going to pray a corporate prayer. But what you're doing is you're stepping out and declaring, God, I'm willing to let go. I'm willing to let you have it. Now, whatever it is, whether it's finances, whether it's family, whether it's sickness, whatever it is, God is able to take care of it. Now, he may not do it the way you want him to do it. And it may not happen according to your blueprint. But God is going to get the job done when you're able to release it into his hand. Are you ready? So this is what I want you to do. In your heart right now, you know what you're asking God to do. I want you to raise your hands right now and say, God, today I let go. Today 
I let go. Today, God, I choose to release this into your hand. Today, God, I'm done with trying to do it on my own. Today, I recognize that you're the only one that can do this. So I let go and I say, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're doing it right now. Thank you, Father, that you're not just doing it, but you're doing it better than I could have ever dreamed of, Father. You're doing it in ways I never even thought about, God. You're doing it right now. So stretch those hands up. Father, I thank you. can't say, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to let go and then keep, you know, it's like when you tell your children to put the toys away and they put all of them away except one. They keep holding on to that one. I put them away. I put them away. They got that one stash back there. No, no, put them all away. Why? Well, I, I don't want to put that one away. Got to let it all go, right? Let it all go. Because in the moment that we let it all go, you're releasing God's hand to work in your life. And when you do that, profound things begin to happen. Okay, would you come here in just a second? As you just, I, 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 what's your name? Brianna. So I know the, the road's been a little rough for you lately. And sometimes it's hard to let go, isn't it? Because disappointment isn't something that we like. And sometimes when you've experienced that in so many places in your life, you just become fearful that it's just going to be there again. And when you let go to God, it's not like any other place in your life. It's not like anyone else in your life. 
because what he does, he does knowing what you need. So today, as you just let it go to him and not, not fear now, and not be afraid now, but trust him. Father, I thank you for Brianna. God, I'm asking you, God, to melt away her fear. Lord, in your name, God, let it happen right now. just finances. All the things that I talked to you about today were things that represented commerce, meal, oil, fish and bread. God doesn't just multiply your finance, but hear me, when you let go of worry, God will multiply your peace. When you let go of sorrow, God will multiply your joy. And when you let go of fear, God will multiply your faith. Amen. Let's give him a hand clap of praise in here today. Thank you, Father. Now, tonight, I want you to come ready to let go. Tonight is encounter night. So if you're a little apprehensive, just bring a seatbelt with you and buckle up. Tonight, we're going to, we, tonight is a night that. I, I, I hesitate to say let God be God, but tonight we pull out all the stops. Tonight we're believing God to do the miraculous. Amen? So I want you to come ready and expecting in Jesus' name. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you tonight at 6. room for those interested in going to Lynch. I'll be there in about five minutes. Please, please go to the conference room if you're planning on going to Lynch. Thank you.